The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. From the diamond, to the clubhouse, to the front office, this is the show that feeds the passion for all Twins fans. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Well, good morning and welcome to Inside Twins. Chris Atterbury with you. Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. As always, it's made in Minnesota. How memories are created and legends are made. Well, some memories are going to be created this week for a host of young players around the country. The Major League Draft gets underway on Monday. The war room is set up across the way here from us in the service level at Target Field. It is full of scouts who have been reeled in from their posts all across the nation 29 other teams going through the exact same process right now in anticipation of the draft. High school players, you've got college players, junior college players, draft-eligible sophomores, and all of that will be decided over the course of three very busy days coming up on Monday. As such, we are going to uh, enjoy a little draft talk here today on Inside Twins. Derek Falvey will be our guest as uh, he is kind of the man at the uh, rudder of the baseball ship, and we'll be able to kind of devolve, uh, to get into the, the type of draft we're looking at, where the Twins are picking, uh, the process that goes into this, and all of those things. So we welcome Derek, uh, first and foremost, into the broadcast, and how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Chris? Well, I noticed that all four coffee pots are up and running, <laughs> and uh, you guys are, how's the coffee budget? Have you Did you get any budget relief, uh, any recent deals for the coffee? We may have exceeded coffee budget at this point uh, in the draft preparation meetings, that's, but it's been fun. That's probably a good thing, though. You do have some new toys over there, though, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. But first, just a general overview. The draft uh, is, is such, in many respects, a crapshoot uh, in a lot of ways. You're trying to determine the path that teenagers are going to take over the next 10 years, how they'll interact with other people that they've yet to meet, how they'll grow and develop physically and mentally. This draft, though, in particular, you can make generalizations about depths of draft. Uh, some drafts, people look at and say, eh, a little lean. Some say heavy. A lot of what I'm reading is that this is a very talented draft. Do, do you concur with that? Yeah, I think every year you look at a, di- a draft class and you see uh, different qualities at the top end, in the middle. You know, certainly where you're picking is where you're focused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so very we'll, different. Yeah. Exactly. So last year we focused so heavily certainly on the on the first pick and, and what talent would be available in those few picks. Um, I, I think this year we, f- we feel it's a deep draft. We feel at 20 we're going to get a, a, a player we really like and ultimately then again at 59 and, and so forth. But our guys are we're lining up the board. Uh, you know you have to stack 20 on the board initially uh, just in case uh, the first 19 go in front of you. But typically being in draft rooms, it's more common that uh, at 20 you're probably going to get a player that's more in your 10 to 15 band than at 20, just the reality of having different opinions across baseball. So that's fun. We want to make sure we get it lined up as best we can. You mentioned 20, and the Twins have picked there, it's astonishing, now seven times, which is just weird. It, it's a fluky deal. And you've had your Tory Hunters, your Denard Spans. Sure. You've had your Johnny Ards. I mean, at 20? to me is as goofy a spot or as difficult a spot to navigate that like 18 to 23 would you agree in your experience that that's a really odd part of the board to work certainly when you get into the 20s uh you're a little less sure as to how this is going to play out so i I would say that uh yeah i think that's fair you know it's a it's a tough tough place to be picking in terms of uh, just preparation going into the spring Uh, but ultimately you want to be picking in the 20s and then ultimately in the back (laughs) of the 20s (laughs) you know that's ideal in a a good year so that means your major league teams had a great year you know seeing you sit here i have a memory of being in cleveland sitting in the progressive field press box and the lights were on where you guys were doing your draft prep the day that Francisco Lindor 
was drafted. Wow. And when you think about that, I mean, those are the success stories, right? Now one of the most dynamic players in the game. Yeah, I remember sitting in that room uh, navigating a few different high school players. I remember Javi Baez was another guy in that draft that we were thinking might be in that selection if Francisco wasn't there. And those were the conversations, the power shortstop versus the uh, slick fielding guy. And uh, ultimately, uh, Francisco's a good player, no question. But some good players from a lot of drafts. We were just looking at one from a few years ago. There's a lot of good players that go in the top yeah. end of the draft. It's so funny because a name flashes on the board and the fans go, Never heard of him. He's a high school kid in Florida, and now they're wearing his jersey all over yep. the streets of Cleveland. Well, we'll have a lot to talk about with Derek Falvey as we course over the next half hour. We'll talk about the process, how different teams approach it, uh, different voices that are heard within the draft room, and it's all straight ahead. This is Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, and we're back in a moment with CBO Derek Falvey on your home for Twins Baseball. You're listening to the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Kicking off a big day here across our network. This is Inside Twins. Chris Atterbury joined by Derek Falvey here in studio. He's taking a break from the caffeine-infused draft room across the hall. And uh, this show is brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. A lot of that in there as well. Made in Minnesota, how memories are created, legends are made. Let's talk about how draft rooms and draft boards are created. You guys have kind of sanctioned off the Sid Hartman press area in there. Uh, I I don't wander in there because I don't want to get tased or something, but you have got... (laughs) You've got some new toys that your your crew is playing with in there. Yeah, it's been it's been great. We've talked a lot over the last year plus of how we're integrating new information, how we build uh, analytics into the process, um, and one of the things we have in there is a you know, electronic draft board. So much like you see on on TV, and I know the Vikings have recently installed one. Uh, it's a, it's an opportunity for us to build a software that helps us better uh, adapt throughout the draft uh, as players are going off the board and you're picking through your 40 rounds be a little more attentive to some additional information beyond what you can just put on a static tag, which is typically the way draft rooms have worked for a long time. So we're very fortunate to have that. Is that something where if something goes weird a couple of spots ahead of you and and the board starts changing, you can punch up, hey, give me the bat speed, or however you want to want to gauge these guys. And I need the left-handed high school pitchers that are left, and it can reevaluate. It, it, it can. The way we've it. built our software is uh, you can learn some things. We know about signability and bonus mm-hmm. demands, and otherwise maybe a kid's going to college and you know he's, he's not going to sign at a certain round. It's less impactful maybe in round one for that, but certainly as you get deeper into the draft, we can quickly filter around which players are available and signable for our pick, or uh, if we want to try and find a position specifically later in the draft, to fill out a roster, you know, in an organizational mm-hmm. player. We can do all those things live on the fly. Do you think that baseball will ever go to, and would you be in favor of the trading of picks within the draft? Yeah, I think we have some, clearly, because yeah, like we've traded one, yeah. you know, this year. I, I think that uh, some of the picks are available to be, to be traded. I think if you ask any front office executive if they want more flexibility yes. or less, <laughs> you're going to get you're going to get the answer is going to be more. So I would say, yeah, I'd certainly be in favor of exploring it. You think that'll ever happen? Is there, is there talk? Has that been discussed? I think the fact that we've gone from no trading of mm-hmm. them to some leads us to a further conversation about what that could look like if it gets opened up. Now, right, getting back to process now, as Eric Falvey is our guest, Sean John. Johnson, uh, director of amateur scouting, he's got his finger on the on the pick, but he's joined in the room by Darren Johnson, who's done that in this organization. Mike Radcliffe, who I think picked Cy Young for first overall back in 1889, he's been doing it so long. That's a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge in one room. Yeah. 
But it has to be the right personalities, Derek, or that's not going to work, or Sean's looking over his shoulder, or Darren's looking over his shoulder, and somehow these guys make it work. Yeah, I, I think it starts first with the culture we set up for the room, which is uh, no one has a voice that trumps everybody else's. This is a, an opportunity for everyone to share what they think, what they see about the player, uh, from our, our statistical information to our track man and what we're looking at in, in terms of additional inputs to the to the players. We're, we're certainly talking about each of those aspects of, of the draft, and each guy is is on equal footing. And ultimately, the scouting director is making the, making the call around the pick because you need that. You need him to feel the ownership of that piece of it. But there's so much influence and so much experience and so much background knowledge in that room, it only helps us. You talk about the melding, and to me it's the final frontier analytically. When we first started hearing about these numbers, it was almost rearview mirror stuff. It was like, well, was he better than he was? You know, and you're taking your barroom argument over mantle and maze and trying to add some some empirical data to your argument. Now it's forecasting. It's projecting. Now you throw in the wild variable of, well, he's in high school. What's his high school league like? Who's he playing against? Uh, oh, he's in college. Well, what level of college? It gets really murky. Is that is this the white whale, the ultimate white whale of trying to figure out what attributes a teenager might have? that eventually will grow into a productive player? Well, you're exactly right. I think that for us, uh, past past performance predicts future performance, certainly. And we have data and information in our scouting reports going back into the 90s at least uh, electronically. So we can study a little bit of our own trends. What are our own biases as an organization? What do we like? What do we identify that we're really good at in terms of selection in the draft? And then we layer that on into a system to help us maybe better remove the bias from our decision-making. So uh, it's, a, it's a blending of statistical information, analytics, projection, biographical information, height, weight, otherwise. All of that goes into our system. It helps us better identify maybe where a guy belongs on the board. And then ultimately you layer on the expertise and the experience of those in the room to figure it out. So in this particular instance, you have the history with the Twins draft, and, and Mike Radcliffe's been, been there for a long, long time. Then you've got Texas. You've got... Mm-hmm. Cleveland, and then you've got some experience from some of the other guys you've pulled from other organizations. So are you now able to meld biases from a lot of different drafts and uh, extrapolate on your sample size? I think so. In the room, we talk a lot about what we thought went well in our previous organizations, what we missed on areas and opportunities for development and learning and you know we've hired a number of different people i think from 15 or 16 different organizations since since i've gotten here so you get some insight as to how each room works and a lot of times there's more similarity than you might think but there is the occasional piece of information that they're using uh, that might uh, instruct us to say okay let's let's track that moving forward and learn if we can identify the same trends that they did for so long, this draft has struggled with the, the issues in terms of the money. You know, they tried to go with a slot, but then people could just violate the slot. Or, you know, they've always tried to make it so that teams can do what everybody in your chair has always said they want to do, pick the best player available. And yet there's a long history littered with people who don't do that because of signability issues. And you've got the college leverage situation. You've got different agents at play. Do you feel that that is leveling out? It, are, are these methodologies working to the point where those questions are lesser for the high-end players. I do. I, th- I think what Major League Baseball did uh, through the last collective bargaining agreement and, and the slotting system that we have now, it lines up a little bit better with, with talent quality going first through 100th. And, and I think that the reality is you have high school kids that may go to college and, and they, they prefer that route and as a result may only go to pro ball for a certain bonus. That will always remain. But I think that more often than not, we are seeing with the way the system is structured, a more uh, linear distribution of talent, you know, 
know, throughout the course of, of the draft. There is not a linear distribution of talent in this room. That is true. <laughs> we are uh, on Inside Twins. We'll be back with more. Derek Falvey is here. We'll talk more about what goes into this selection and kind of where players are coming from in the modern era of baseball. That's next on your home for Twins Baseball. This is Byron Buster. You're listening to Twins Baseball on News Radio 830 WCCO. Welcome back to Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. How memories are created and legends are made. Derek Falvey, our guest, he was considered unsignable out of the governor's school <laughs> with that strong Trinity commitment. And uh, now he is uh, going to be uh, making the call here along with Sean Johnson and the entire team as the Twins will draft 20th overall. Uh, you've moved one pick. We talked about that with Thad uh, when the trade was made for Phil Hughes. That's not something you guys take lightly at all. I mean, you're weighing the value of that pick versus the value of what you can do with that that financial freedom in the coming year, correct? Absolutely. Every year when you go into a draft, you're looking at your selections, you know how valuable uh, young amateur talent is through your pipeline to build your team. I've said all along that we're going to build our team through scouting and development and then supplement through free agency. I don't feel any differently about that. And so uh, to lose a pick is difficult, but at the same time, with where our team is and what that afforded us in terms of flexibility, we're always determining what level of asset value we're placing on each asset we have. And a, a draft pick and a major league player, they're both assets that's for us, and we've got to figure out where we align that 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 flexibility. More of a, a scouting question um, for for guys who have been around the game and seen kind of a, this transition. Um, and I'm talking about where guys are playing. We live in a showcase culture. Mm-hmm. The best players are promptly snapped up. And hey, Derek, we want you to pitch on our all-star team. We're going to be playing this tournament, and then we're going to play that tournament. We also live in uh, a culture where club sports are funneling players to only play one sport. In the days of the just go and find the three-sport guy. You talk to college coaches, and they'll say across the board, any sport, I want the multi-sport performer. Do you guys feel the same way as scouts? Uh, there are a litany of stories of scouts who have signed baseball players watching them play other sports. And what is the impact of the showcase culture in terms of making it more difficult to figure out how these guys tick and how their baseball minds develop? Yeah, Some people may not like my answer to this one, but I don't love uh, that we're headed toward a, a single-sport approach at the amateur level. I think we learn, as you just said, Chris, I think we learn a great deal from players uh, and from uh, their their failures in other sports, their growth. I think playing other sports creates a lot of skills that translate over to baseball. You know, later on, whether that's soccer or football, basketball, hockey. I think that uh, we are we are constantly looking in that room for guys who have played other sports and have more athleticism that translates across. Because we can build the baseball side, and we will over time. But uh, it's it's certainly a, something that we are learning to deal with as an industry because there is more specialization. In baseball. You're trying to get the best athletes first and foremost. You have to have the best players, obviously. But there are the things that baseball players do to win games at every level that maybe you don't develop if you only play in all-star games and showcases where you're getting scouted on your velocity and your launch angle and how many home runs you hit. Is that a, a black hole that you'd like to see fill as well? Yeah, for sure. I, I think, we're, as we said, we're just constantly looking for athletes that can t- t- uh, turn into elite players out on this field. I mean, sitting in the draft room with Torrey Hunter, we were talking about what he played when he was a kid and all the other sports. And, you know, Latroy Hawkins is sitting in there. We had the same conversation. Or Justin Morneau was mm-hmm. a you know a goalie up in, in Canada and, and the athleticism that it takes to be a good goaltender. I think we learn a lot about what we can build off of when we have athletes that have uh, a lot of different skills. When people lament, oh, baseball's not what it used to be, is that true 
because you guys would know because you're at the grassroots and you're seeing people play and sometimes it's a difference by geography with what sports are offered or what are available. Do you think that's true right now? I I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't go that far. I'd say that baseball evolves every decade. I think if you look at the 50s and the 60s relative to the 70s and the 80s, that was a very different game. And then the 90s became a different game than the 80s. And so every decade, I think we learn a lot about how the game changes. And I I appreciate that. I, I love the different generations of baseball. I I don't think you can necessarily compare players generation to generation that easily because the the game has changed, whether it's bunting and running and stealing versus home runs and strikeouts and otherwise. We'll constantly continue to evolve in this sport. It's what makes baseball special, and I think at the amateur level, you're seeing a lot more of uh, training toward what we're seeing at the Major League game today. Well, and you mentioned that it's a great transition. At the Major League level, we want strikeouts, and we want guys to get the ball in the seats. It's such a long process of metamorphosis from drafted player to major league player, though that's been ramped up in recent years as well. If you're drafting for that and as the game changes and then when those guys show up, oops, we showed up for the wrong game. I think that's where it's 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 overblown a bit around uh, the, the changes, in my opinion, uh, the changes around what is happening at the major league level. I think when you talk to, again, I'll, I'll go back to Tori and, and Justin sitting in the draft room, that those guys talk about what they did as a young player and what they are trained to do in the minor leagues. We're doing the same things. Yeah. But there's adjustments that you have to make when pitchers are pitching you a certain way at the major league level, and I think you're seeing that. So we need to train good foundations in our players in terms of how they how their swing works, how they understand how to make adjustments. Pitchers, how they use their secondary pitches, how they stro- throw strikes and get ahead. It's no different. Those things will never change, but it, adaptation in baseball is what's going to allow a guy to be successful. I'm trying to figure that out of a 17-year-old, 18-year-old kid. That is it's the mystery and challenge of the draft. We're back with one final segment with Derek Falvey and home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back. It's Inside Twins brought to you by Killerbury Root Beer. Made in Minnesota. How memories are created. Legends are made. A reminder coming up after this. Our Adana Realty pregame lineup card. Jeremy Zoll stops by with our minor league player and pitcher of the week. Guys who have been part of this draft conversation, of course, in recent years. And then baseball between the Twins and the Tribe. Chance to win a big series for Minnesota. Derek Falvey is here, and, and Derek, we don't have a whole lot of time, so I want to ask you this. You get a lot of cool things in your job, a lot of hard things. We've talked about having to tell people they're done playing. This week, though, you get to make a phone call to some teenager, potentially, and change their whole family's life, maybe generationally. That has to be a pretty good feeling. Yeah, the, the draft process and selecting a player, having that phone call, I mean, this whole thing, it's one of the reasons you get into the game. You know, it's, it's we have some tough things we've got to do in this job, but to get some young talent into an organization and the bright futures that are ahead for them to become the next Eddie Rosario's and Byron Buxton's and, you know, Ryan Dozier's and otherwise, it's, it's, it's fun. Yeah, and, and what is generally the response when you talk? Who's more excited, the kid or, or mom and dad? <laughs> you know what? It's usually it's usually mom and dad, you know, <laughs> that they appreciate the moment, but uh, the kid is certainly excited to get playing baseball. Uh, about 30 seconds here, 45. Last year, because you were picking one, you had a chance to deep dive on the families and really get to know a handful of kids before you tapped Royce Lewis, uh, and you had to feel you knew him inside and out. Mm-hmm. 20 is a little different. You don't have a chance to do that with 20 families, I would imagine. No, but that's where we lean on our area scouts have you know, they go in the house, they meet the parents, they, they get the family, they get deeper. And so we require them to, to do all that work, and I trust that group in there as much as anybody. And they're going to have to go on a diet because they've been eating mama's cooking for the last uh, six months. All right, our thanks to Derek Fowley. Draft coming up. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Reminder, freaking lineup card coming up next on your home for Twins Baseball.
You have been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Made in Minnesota, it's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.